amen and amen. If you have a copy of God's Word, I would invite you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Hey, y'all, we made it to chapter 2. Isn't that good? We're uh, in a series called Jesus Over Everything, going through the book of Colossians, and the Lord has taught us so, so much, and I'm glad that you're here to learn with us today. In 2017, the, the musical artist Ed Sheeran released a song called Castle on the Hill. Uh, the song was number one in a lot of different countries. In some other countries, it was number two because simultaneously, Sheeran had released his song, Shape of You, and it was number one in a lot of those countries. So here in the U.S., Castle on the Hill was a top ten hit, and, and yes, Shape of You was number one. Some of you are like me, and you don't really know a whole lot or even have heard the name Ed Sheeran before, and you're wondering why I've become a pop radio DJ at the front of this message. But whether you know who this cat is or not, I do think you would be familiar with the feeling that Ed was trying to capture as he wrote this song about his hometown. Uh, the line before the chorus simply says, I can't wait to go home. And the chorus is the, a picture of him driving toward home. He says, I'm on my way, driving at 90 down those country lanes, Singing to Tiny Dancer, he's British, so we'll get, just let him have that. Uh, for me, it's more like Boot Scoot and Boogie or something like that, but that's all right. He said, I miss the way you make me feel, it's real, when we watched the sun rise over the castle on the hill. There was a castle there in his hometown. So just to be completely just upfront with you, my reading does not do it justice. And I realized as I was preparing this week that I'm going to sound like the oldest man in the world reading these lyrics to a pop song. But I think that you probably have experienced this feeling of longing to return to a place where you belong. You probably know that feeling well. I know for my family and me, when we go to visit our extended family and our immediate family, they are all about 10 hours away, and that drive ends up being anywhere from like 10 to 13 hours from Wichita to Spurger, Texas, where I call kind of home-home. My parents, my brothers, my nieces and nephews, they all live there, and I just got to tell you, at the end of that 10 to 13 hours in the car, the closer we get to Spurger... I'm just going to tell you, the faster my car ends up going. Like, uh, I, I feel that experience. It just kind of happens. And, and I love getting there and giving everybody hugs and just spending some time with them. But then fast forward a few days, when we've been away from you and we've been away from Wichita, we find ourselves saying, I can't wait to go home. So it's like, man, I can't wait to get home. Then you get home and you're like, man, I can't wait to get back home home. And I just got to tell you though, unfortunately, as you get into Wichita, it's not a good idea to speed faster and faster. Uh, you actually have to slow down coming off of 35 through Oklahoma as you get on Kellogg or you're, you're going to get a ticket, but that's all right. Some of you have experienced that. But I just got to tell you, when we pull into our driveway and we're finally home after that long day of travel, there's no feeling like it. And I'm sure you've had similar experiences to that in your life, but, but I just wonder, have you ever felt that way about your church? H have you ever longed for the body of Christ? Have you ever had the feeling where you're like, I'm on my way, driving down Kellogg, then exiting Mays. None of you know that cheering song, it's fine. 
But it's like, you know, like, have you ever been so pumped to just come to church and be with the family of God? I think if we're honest, and I've just got to tell you, I'm the pastor and I've had these moments, so I ain't hating on you, okay? Sometimes I'm less like Ed Sheeran and more like Eeyore on Sundays. Oh, well, I guess it's Sunday. I guess we ought to go to church. I remember a day not that long ago, in fact, almost two years ago, June the 7th, 2020, after missing several Sundays during the early days of the pandemic, when everybody missed Sundays, like even the people who are like, I can't believe the church shut down. Yeah, you shut down too for a few weeks, bro. Just saying that in case any of you are like, my pastor didn't. Yeah, he did, but it's fine. So after those few weeks of trying to figure things out and then realizing, nah, we're done with that. Let's get back to church. June 7th was the first day that we just flung the doors open and said, everybody come. Welcome home. We had that graphic that just said, welcome home. We wanted people back and we were excited to worship Jesus. I remember that day there were about 100 people in attendance. And I just got to tell you, that 100 people filled this room with such a spirit and joy and heart that I will never forget. And honestly, I said this to many of you then, and I think that uh, I've done pretty good at handling this. I said then that I will never be obsessed and worried about numbers again. Like I was just, there were like, again, less than 100 people that day, and I was like, this is awesome. There are people here. And pretty much I've been able to stick to that. But what if I told you that you could experience that kind of feeling every single week? What if you woke up on Sundays joyful and pumped to be with your church family? And not only on Sundays, but what if you worked to create real relationships and connections in your life that would literally revolve around the church of Jesus Christ? The good news today is that God has designed his church to be exactly that experience. You see, church isn't just something we do, it's who we are. I'm gonna say that over and over through this message till you're tired of hearing me say it, but then maybe you'll remember it. Church isn't something we do, it's who we are. So let's get to God's word here in Colossians 2 and we'll ask the Lord to make his truth plain to us as we study it together. First few verses of chapter two, Colossians. The word of the Lord says this, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures and wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Will you pray with me? Let's ask for the Lord's help as we study this passage. God, we come to you today asking you to do what only you can do. And that's speak to our hearts. By your Holy Spirit, as we study your word, we we want to grow in you. We want to grow as the people of God. We want to be your church. So God, would you just use your word right now with my brothers and sisters who are here? Would you mold and shape us and make us who it is you want us to be? Thank you for what you're going to do. 
This time belongs to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, we're beginning a new chapter today, but, but really, I'm kind of continuing the same theme that we've talked about for the last several weeks, and that's this idea of gospel growth. This is going to kind of close out this section of the letter for us, but we, we just are working, and again, I, I want to remind you, because some of you are like, well, we started a new chapter. It should be kind of a new emphasis. Let me just remind you, and I know this is real basic, but some of you may not really realize this. Uh, there were not numbers in this letter when it was first written. Uh, this was a letter that the Apostle Paul sat down and wrote and sent to the church in Colossae, and it was read by several other churches there in the area. And when he sat down to write, he simply sat down to write a letter. Now, these chapter numbers and verse numbers are extremely helpful because this morning I didn't have to say, we're going to start where it says, for I want you to know. Everybody take a moment and find that, right? So I'm thankful for chapter numbers and verse numbers. That's a good addition that we have, helps us study the Bible. But Paul sat down, and this letter contains words and thoughts that were designed to flow together. So again, it's not like he got to chapter or verse 29 of chapter 1 and got done with it and put a pen down and said, all right, we're good. Now so we're going to take a break and come back and work on chapter 2 later. That's not how this was written. So this is a continuation, and we're going to see Paul using language in a moment that clearly links it back. But throughout this study, God has been teaching us about the importance of continued growth. So if you're not dead, you're not done growing in Christ. The same gospel that saves you is the gospel that grows you. And last week, we discovered that God has given the church pastors to help us grow in Christ. And what I want us to see today is that God has given us the church to help us grow in Christ. So just as the Lord has blessed the church with pastors to help us grow in the gospel, so the Lord has blessed the church with, well, the church to help us grow in the gospel. And my prayer is that we would be reminded of the special gift that we have in this body of believers. Again, I'm gonna use this phrase, church isn't something we do, it's who we are. So the call is for us to lean into this, to become part of something bigger than ourselves and really experience the growth that the Lord has called us to. In verse 1, Paul continues these thoughts we studied last week. In fact, he uses this word struggle. He said, I want you to know how great a struggle. That's the same word for verse 29. And he says, I am struggling, I am working, I am toiling for the church. And he says here in verse 1, it's not just the Colossian church, but also the church in Laodicea. And we know there was a church in Hierapolis. There were multiple churches in this region, and it was not uncommon for them to all pass this letter around and read it and grow from it together. So you can imagine the church in Laodicea was like, we got a shout out, right? And Paul says, man, even though I haven't seen you, I long for you. I work for you. I am laboring for you. Even though he hadn't met these people, he believed and knew that they were part of this glorious family, the church of Jesus Christ. And in this text, he points out what it is that he wants for them. Why is it that he's working so hard? What is he praying that God would do for them? And it all takes shape around this massive phrase, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, some of you right now are like, this is awkward. Pastor Rusty forgot he's in this week's message. That's from last week's passage. 
But remember, this is all flowing together. It's a continuation of this same thread. In verse 27 of chapter 1, Paul explains the mystery of the gospel with this phrase. He says, if you want to know the gospel, if you want to know the mystery of God that has gone through all the ages, here it is. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the good news of the gospel, that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sins, that we may have life, and not just a new life. That's awesome enough, isn't it, right? And that is a reality. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new has come. So, yes, there is new life in Christ, but it's not only new life, but it's new life in him. It's new life with him. Christ literally takes up residence in us through the Holy Spirit. Church, that is a game changer. At the end of verse 2, going into verse 3 in this text, we're going to see this. Look at it with me. He said that he longs for the church to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. Does anybody want to sign up for that? Like, yeah, I want all the full assurance and all the knowledge. And look at the end of verse 3. It says, in Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Like, if, you, if I said, hey, guys, uh, listen, if that was my intro today, you can know full assurance and have all the knowledge and wisdom of, the, of God available to you right now. Who's interested in that? 100% of us will be like, let's go. And what Paul is going to say is that is available to you in Christ. If you remember, we talked about the church in Colossae, and we said that they came from a lot of wild backgrounds. So, so you have people who are coming in and getting connected, and some of them have these wild philosophical views from their Greek background. Some had these crazy, wacky religious views from their Jewish background, and they brought it all to this church. So there were all these kind of crazy ideas about what it meant. And so they're trying to follow Jesus, but they've got all of this baggage. And before Paul is even going to address these issues, he's already laying the groundwork. He says, if you want real knowledge, if you want real wisdom... It's not found in the things of this world. It's not going to be found in a continuous string of motivational talks and social media posts. It's not going to be found in Twitter threads. It's not going to be on that TED talk that you watched on YouTube. It's not going to be in the halls of academia. It's not going to be in all the religious trappings of the church. Friends, this is the mystery of God available to you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the mystery of God, the knowledge and wisdom of God. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, then today could be the day when your life changes forever. Your hope is not found in our church. Your hope is not found in improving your behavior or improving your life circumstances. Your hope is found in Jesus Christ and he freely offers salvation to all who would come. 
you need to talk about what it means to know Jesus, do not leave this place without talking to one of our pastors. And some of you are like, man, I ain't going to talk to you. You seem crazy. Then fill out that connect card in front of you and say, I want to talk to a pastor and drop it in that box. And we will call you tomorrow because this is the most important conversation you could ever have. Yet I also have to ask all of you individuals in here who are like, yes and amen, a good salvation message. Are you living in the reality that Christ is in you? Are you living like Christ in you, the hope of glory? Are you living like Christ in me, I hope I get a bigger paycheck? Christ in me, I hope everything works out with my family. Christ in me, I hope I stay healthy. Christ in me, I hope in all these other things. But what the gospel says is Christ is in us. So come what may, whatever happens in our life, we have hope because of Jesus Christ taking residence in our lives. Yeah, sure, we got some problems. We, we got some, some first world problems. We got some real big problems too. We go through suffering. We live in a world that is broken and messed up. Bad things happen to good people even though that's a misnomer because there are no good people. But at the end of the day, you need to know that if you have Christ in you, you got everything you need. And think about this. This is why Paul lived in like this crazy, like we, we act like Paul was some sort of next level Christian, you know, and it's like, well, I mean, I can't do that. That was Paul. But do you know why Paul was so wild and crazy and doing all the things he did? Because he literally believed the gospel. Like the worst thing that can happen to me on this earth, he says this, to live is Christ and to die is gain is what he said in Philippians. So what he said there is like, all right. So if I live, I'm going to live my life for Jesus. If I die, I'm going to be in the presence of Jesus. Like, so, so let me just tell you this again. The worst thing that could happen to you on this side of eternity is actually the best thing that could ever happen to you. So why do we live in this constant state of fear? If God has kept you alive today, can I tell you why you're alive? To live for Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Why do we hope in all these dumb things? I'm editing my language. My children are here. Why do we try to find our hope in all these things that are empty? Christ in you, the hope of glory. I pray that you experience that and you feel that in a real way. What have you been putting your hope in? Is it your job? Is it the relationship? Is it finances? Is it the state of the world? Guys, every single one of those things is going to let you down. It's inevitable. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he is your hope. Man, I could use some consistent hope today. Anybody else? Christ in you, the hope of glory. The next truth that we need to see, though, is the reality we talk about all the time. Salvation, this moment of surrender, is not the finish line. Rather, it's the starting line of the Christian life. So when you experience Christ in you, the hope of glory, this is what this turns into. You ready? Christ in us, the hope of glory. 
Christ in us, the hope of glory. So this is a real easy outline if you're taking notes. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. So friends, this is a more than just a subtle shifting of a pronoun from singular to plural. Once you are saved, once Jesus becomes your Lord and Savior, you are immediately, immediately called into this family that we call the church. And no, this line does not appear in the text, but this concept is here. In verse 2 of chapter 2, Paul says he longs for the church to have encouragement, but also to be knit together in love. This is serious language, isn't it? That we would be knit together in love. And this call is side by side with this call to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. So don't miss what this text has done multiple times already in the first 35 verses. We've seen this idea of knowing the gospel, knowing Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and then immediately following that, it talks about the context of the local church and being plugged into a body of believers. Do you remember the very first message of Jesus over everything? Of course you do. And I'm just going to keep going because I don't want to know if you don't. But we said that Paul commended them for two things, their growing faith and their growing love for one another. So he says these things really go hand in hand. And then in this passage, he's talking about Christ in you, the hope of glory. You can know the mystery of the gospel. He says that in chapter one, verse 27. Then he talks about the family of God, and he comes back in verses two and three to talk about the gospel again. So here's what I wanna say. This is not a solo project. Growing with Jesus, growing in faith is not a solo project. In America, we are so individualized. But the Bible, that is a foreign idea to grow in Christ outside of the community of faith. It's clear from this text, Paul is linking this saving faith with a growing and intentional community of believers. We said in that very first message that this love for one another doesn't just happen by sitting in a room together for an hour a week. Or let's just be honest, in our culture today, like sitting together for an hour or two a month. Like that doesn't happen. That doesn't knit our hearts together. But this text makes it clear. Paul's idea of church was not just a place where people would go, a service that people would attend, but church is to be a family to which we belong. Again, church isn't something we do, it's who we are. So Paul said, man, I struggle, I work, I toil, and I long that the church of Jesus Christ would be knit together in love. In the Greek language, this phrase knit together was literally used to talk about knitting, but, but it literally, the etymology of that word means to hold together, to bind one to another, literally to become unified, to become one. This is intimate language. This is not the language of acquaintance. This is not the language of casual friendship. Church, your church is to be your spiritual family. And you know, I've said this, and this freaks people out when I say it, but I'm going to say it anyways. Your spiritual family is actually your forever family. Some of y'all are going to go be Mormons when you find this out. That's one of the Mormons' big selling points is you can have your own planet and keep your family together on it, right? What the Bible says is we're going to get in heaven. Can I tell you what heaven's all about? 
Jesus. I got, you know, hey, can I tell you, we're so thankful for the cloud of witnesses. I I know you want to see mama and daddy and grandma and grandpa and praise the Lord. I believe we'll see our family again. But can I tell you, the star attraction is not going to be getting to see those who've gone before us. Can I see you? What what, can I tell you when I get to heaven and when you get to heaven, we're going to want to see Jesus. So the church is really your forever family. Do you take your commitment to the body of Christ this seriously? The fact is, I think when we look at our culture today, community has been lost everywhere. Like it's not just in the church. This is kind of a cultural problem in the West. And because our culture has lost the idea of community in recent decades, uh, I love how we as good Americans work. Like, we're all capitalistic. We're like, let's go. Uh, there's, a, there's a gap in the marketplace. Let's provide some community, y'all. So businesses and organizations have worked really, really hard to create kind of community-based businesses. And in the last couple decades, man, this is popping everywhere. I think probably the, the easiest thing to pick on would be fitness, like gyms like CrossFit have built literally their brand by building community into fitness. And it has been extremely successful. It is a multi-billion dollar industry. I ain't hating on CrossFit. I've, I'm looking at two CrossFitters right here in the room, maybe three. I don't know if he's up there. But like we got CrossFitters. That's all right. But, but they've built that into their brand and it's worked. I'm a huge fan of the show Shark Tank. And it's been wild to watch, like, since I was younger to now. That show's been on over a decade now. And when you used to watch in the early days, like, maybe, like, every couple of episodes, there would be a pitch for a business that had kind of a mission attached to it or a cause. But everybody else on the show back then was just trying to make money, right? But now if you watch in 2022... It's almost odd for a business not to say, well, we really want to protect the sea turtles in Antarctica or like they've all got a cause. Sorry if that's your cause. Like some of you are like, I just shared that on Facebook yesterday and he saw, no, I didn't. I didn't. But like almost every single business, it's not just a business, like I'm not just selling you a sweater, but this is made, you know, by somebody in a foreign country who needs help and, you know, you buy this sweater and we give a sweater to somebody else and it's called sweater weather and, you know, you're in Kansas, keep it in the car, you may need it after lunch, but you may need it to take it out, I don't know, right, but every single pitch now has this idea, Companies are not just selling products anymore. They're trying to sell you a sense of belonging, a way to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And it works. It works. That's why they're doing it. We all want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. We all long to be connected to others for real, authentic community. And and can I just tell you, God has wired that in us. That, that is an innate sense of longing and need for community that God put in you. But what concerns me is that the world today offers so many shortcuts. We have the shortcut version of community. You want connection? Buy a product. You need friends? Click add friend. <laughs> you need to belong to something? Join this group. But research and sociologists are telling us that it's not really working. Like it feels like connection, it seems like connection, it, it looks like community, and maybe feels like community sometimes. But the reality is that the proof is in the pudding, y'all. Like 
we are as lonely and isolated and depressed as we have ever been as a people. Is that this was absolutely foreign to the people of Colossae, Laodicea, and Hierapolis. Like you got to realize back in the day, and I, I'm not talking about back in your day, I'm talking like really back in the day. Like these people worked, lived, and played all within a couple miles of their homes. Like community was baked into their culture. But in 2022, in the modern world, community is a thing of the past. Like we used to have front porches and now we, we want the big backyard with the private deck. Our architecture in Wichita, and y'all know me, I'm very savvy with architecture and such and art. <sighs> I don't appreciate your laughter. But you don't have to be to drive around and see that like our architecture is literally built around garages. Roll up, open the door, get in, shut the door so you don't have to talk to anybody. So what came natural to the early church, we just need to be honest today and recognize it's not going to work for us. Community isn't just going to happen in Wichita, Kansas in 2022. If we're going to be a real church that have our hearts knit together, it's going to make us a little bit weird. It's going to be countercultural to much of the world. But listen to me, growing in faith, growing in the gospel means growing together, being knit together in love. So trust me and hear me when I say this. I want our church to grow. You know why I want our church to grow? Because I want to see people coming to know Jesus Christ as Savior. I was just praying last night after everybody went to bed in my house, and I was just like, Lord, please let us see people sharing the gospel and let us see people respond to the gospel so we can see a harvest of souls in our city. But I want to tell you, even though that's true, I would rather have 100 people in this church that are knit together in love, growing in the gospel day in and day out, than to have 1,000 people who show up here every weekend but don't really know each other at all. One of those is a crowd. The other one of those is a church. So my heart is to see us growing as a church family, but a real church family. Crossroad, I want to commend you. I think we do a lot of this well. But while I want to give honor where honor is due, the fact is we live in this consumer-driven, community-vanishing culture. I think it's really easy for us to slip into this mindset of coming to church instead of being the church. And that starts with, with me and our leadership, but that goes all the way down to those of you who are just visiting us today. Like it's easy to church shop and try to find like the perfect church that has all the amenities that you want and need. And it's easy. And I got to tell you, it's easy for me as the pastor and for our church leadership to feel the pressure to check off those boxes when you come here. But that's not what we're about. We want to be a church family that fulfills the mission God has given us to reach, teach, live, and love like Jesus. And we do that by fulfilling the core values of our mission statement. This is what we're about. We want to preach the word, reach the nations, equip the saints, and pray. That's it. 
But in order to do these things in a way that honors and glorifies Jesus, we've got to get serious about being a church family. So I want to offer just a few ways. So some of you are like, well, how do we do that? Can I give you just a few starting points? Uh, Like how we do this is slowly growing together for the next several decades, all right? But I want to give you three practical starting points. Some of you are like, he just now said three things. We're going to be here forever. You're all right. You're all right. I hope you put your lunch in a crock pot. We're going to be okay. The second service starts in about 40 minutes, so uh, we got to let you out at some point. Three quick things. First, I want to encourage you to prioritize the gathering. Prioritize the gathering. What I mean by the gathering is what we're doing right now. Friends, you, you need to hear me when I say this. This is not just a service. This is the gathering of the saints at Crossroad Church. The message that is preached here on Sunday mornings, whether it be me or another one of our pastors preaching the message, is the message of God for this gathering of believers. So so I don't say this again. You heard last week's message. That's not to say that I'm super important and you have to come hear me. But here's what we believe, is that the pulpit and the preaching of God's word is what drives the church. So, so here's where we live in 2022. Some of you have all the TV preachers in the world you listen to. There's podcasts and all that, Christian radio, and you're listening to so many great things. Some of you have awesome life groups that are teaching you really cool things. But here's what I want to, you to hear at the end of the day. The message of God for Crossroad Church is the sermon on Sunday mornings. And God wants us to be pondering this message all week. What does this mean for me? What does this mean for my family? What does this mean for the church? So unless health or extenuating circumstances occur, I want to just invite you to plan on being here. Now I know this is a terrible time to preach this message because it's summer. And you're like, I've got vacation next week. This is going to be so awkward. And you're not supposed to say this because some of you aren't going to come, but guess what? I'm not going to be here next Sunday. (laughs) But can I tell you where I'm going to be? I don't know, but I'll be in a church because I believe in the gathering of the saints. I'm not saying you have to have that same commitment, but, but trust me, if you don't see me here, you can believe I'm in a church somewhere. A lot of times I'm preaching, but sometimes wise people in my life say, hey, maybe you should take a Sunday off. Uh, I'm praying about it. It's fine. I've got, some, I've got some lines in the water. I may be preaching somewhere next week. It's fine. It's fine. But, but we believe you need to prioritize this. Vacations are going to happen. You need to take breaks. You're going to get away. But even then, can I tell you, God has blessed our church. We've got the studio. We've got podcasts. There are ways for you to stay connected to the message that God has given us for that week so that we can be growing, not just as individuals, but growing together in the direction that the Lord is leading us from the pulpit and from the word of God. So we believe that. We believe you should prioritize the gathering. Now, let me just tell you, uh, in a world of digital, all the awesomeness, you will notice we don't live stream. So, like, there used to be a camera back there, and it was like, for those of you watching online, I am so glad we're done with that. There are ways you can watch. There are ways you can stay connected to the message. But we don't want to make it easy for you to skip if we're being just absolutely honest. 
We don't want you to feel like, well, I can just sit in my jammies and drink coffee and do church that way. You can watch a message and you can stay caught up with content, but there is something that happens in the gathering of the saints that only happens in the gathering of the saints. So I want to encourage you, friends, to prioritize the gathering. And again, I know, again, it's summertime. Some of you are like, oh, no, it's going to happen. But when you miss, can I just tell you that should be the Exception, not the rule, all right? Secondly, I want to encourage you to make real connections. Make real connections in this church. Uh, I used to say be in a life group, and I still believe that's a great way to connect, but our life groups aren't multiplying and accommodating the growth of our church. Like, we're growing faster than we can life group you. That's just, that's just where we're at. And we're praying about ways that the Lord will help us, praying that groups will multiply and that we can create new groups all the time. But there are other ways to connect. Serving, connecting, joining one of our men's or women's studies, serving on a team, making real connections there. Maybe even just starting an informal life group. When church is over today, maybe you need to say to the person sitting across from you, hey, I'd like to meet you. Here's my name. You know, hey, can I email you and can we have prayer requests together? What's going on in your life? Make real connections. Don't just show up here, sit for an hour, and then peace out as quick as possible. But really seek to connect. Really plug in. That leads to the last call. I want to encourage you to find somewhere to serve. This will help with that connection. Finding a way to serve in the church will help you connect in new ways. That may be in our youth ministry with Pastor Lyle or in our kids ministry with Miss Audra. There are ways you can contact them to help. It might be with our safety team. It, it might be with our hospitality team. There are lots of needs around our church that the Lord could use you to help us meet. But when you serve, it helps you connect and really take ownership of the work that the Lord is doing in our church family. So that's just three quick ways. Prioritize the gathering. So come to church, make real connections, and find a way to serve. And if we do that, can I tell you what's going to happen? We're going to find ourselves really becoming a part of the body and really becoming a church, not a show. We're going to find ourselves being a people driven by the mission of God through the teaching of the word of God instead of just a bunch of individuals who are trying to grow in our faith apart from one another. No, we're going to come together and be the people of God growing after him day after day after day because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful for Christ in us, the hope of glory. Our hope isn't in the latest church growth strategies. Our hope isn't in the skills of the pastors and staff. Our hope isn't even in what you bring to the table. Our hope is in the gospel of Jesus Christ, Christ in us, the hope of glory. So let's go share that hope with everybody that we encounter as we grow daily seeking after him. Church, I love you, and I pray that the Lord would just knit our hearts together more and more, day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year as we walk with him together. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful for your word. I thank you for the encouragement it brings us. God, I, I do pray that you would help us to really become a church. Lord, we don't want to just be a place that, that does things and that hosts services. God, we want to be a gathering of the saints. So by your gospel, would you help us grow? And as we grow, Lord, would you help us become who it is you want us to be? 
Lord, we're so grateful for this church family. We're thankful for the privilege of belonging to something bigger than ourselves. And Lord, may we just submit our lives, our families, and our church to you.